can throw a hundred Luke Giffords at Craig Ackerman. He's proven that it's not going to matter. It's not going to matter. He, he's not good at his job. So I'm sorry, Craig. Yeah. Okay. Welcome into the Hot Read Podcast for Monday, December the 4th. I'm your host, Easton Freeze, director of published content here at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. We're also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network. You can follow me on social media at Easton Freeze. I'm joined as always by producer JT, who you can follow on social media at JT underscore Runky. JT, happy Sunday afternoon as we're recording this live. How are you, my friend? I'm good. And we're recording this for Monday and... uh that is my mom's birthday. So happy birthday, mom. Hey, Shout out mom. you. Um, but yeah, I, good I'm good How about that. Yeah. Look at me that? being, being trying sweet, to set a good example. Sweet little boy, setting here. a good example. Family friendly show here on the Harry podcast. Yes, appreciate, exactly. Appreciate that. Um, we're talking Titans today in a devastating loss to the Indianapolis Colts in overtime here at Nissan stadium. JT and I both in attendance at that game spoke to the players and coaches after the game, have a lot of thoughts on this game and on what went so wrong, as well as some things that went right, just not as many things went right as went wrong. We're going to get into all of that today. If you're with us live on a Sunday afternoon, appreciate you joining us between the ending of the late slate of games and before Sunday Night Football. We're going to talk Titans and then get you out to your Sunday Night Football activities, I promise. But a couple of things before we get rolling. First of all, if you're watching live, do us a quick favor. First of all, if you're watching on Twitter or on Facebook, that's great. But an even better viewing experience can be had over on Broadway Sports Media's YouTube page. That's Broadway Sports Media on YouTube. Go find that YouTube page. Find this live stream. And then in the comment section of that YouTube video, you can be a part of the conversation today. Like Kyle and Derek already are. Appreciate you guys being with us. We'd love to hear your thoughts, comments, questions on this Titans game. And if you wouldn't mind subscribing while you're there, we're trying to get that subscriber count up. It is free to you. It's very helpful to us. Just do us a quick solid hit that subscribe button. It also helps you um, get access to be reminded of all of our all of our content when it comes out. It's much easier for you to get all of your good Titans content here at the Hot Read Podcast when you hit that subscribe button. So we appreciate you doing that. Also, if you wouldn't help us share this as best you can, whether that's a retweet or a like, a thumbs up on the YouTube video. Send the link to a buddy who you might think be interested in today's show. Whatever you can do to help us get as many eyeballs on this product live as you can would be much appreciated. We are brought to you today by Boomba's Craft Pizza and Tap House, as we are each and every episode here on the Hot Read Podcast. We appreciate Boomba's and what they do. And what they do is make fantastic pizza and have a fantastic selection of drinks for you, as well as some of the best sports viewing uh, setups in all of sports bars, in my opinion, they have some fantastic television arrangements at their final locations, three of which here in the Middle Tennessee area in East Nashville, in Murfreesboro, in our location in Spring Hill, where we are live each and every Thursday before Thursday Night Football doing our Titans preview episodes. So we would love for you to check out Boomba's wherever you are. But if you'd love to come hang out with us at Boomba's, you can do that each and every Thursday before Thursday Night Football. All right. We've got all of our uh, housekeeping out of the way here, JT. Let's dive into today's topics and what a wonky game from the Titans and the Colts. I mean, that game was drunk start to finish. I was talking to some folks in the press box around me saying, listen, if we're forced to watch mediocre teams go up against each other like this week in and week out, and with the Titans at this point, we're guaranteed to get at least one mediocre team in any given Titans matchup because they are a mediocre team at best. 
it should be the drunk version of those games, right? Like, give us this game instead of what you gave us last week in Panthers Titans. Pretty boring, pretty blah. Not, not, not a lot of uh, explosive plays. Not a lot of scoring. Like, give us the off the rails, junker, drunk game that we got today between the Titans and the Colts. Wildly entertaining. We saw just, I mean, I was talking to Aziz Al-Shair, Titans linebacker, in the locker room after the game, and, and he brought it up unprompted. He was like, I don't think I've seen or been a part of a football game like this where you got a little bit of everything. I mean, it was like a big Thanksgiving spread in the way that you got a little sampling of everything there is to see in an NFL game. I, tr I tried to make a list of all of the weird things that happened in this one. If I'm missing any, those of you that are watching live, help me out by filling me in in the comment section but here's what i have okay so you obviously you've got the two blocked punts back-to-back -back punts by back-to-back -back drives by the titans by the way I, I need i'm sure that stat's going to come out at some point this week the last time that happened or if it's ever happened i'm sure it's been a long time since a team has had consecutive punts blocked that's very bad we're going to talk about that at length in just a minute so you had two punt blocks uh one return for a touchdown you had Four pretty significant Titans players get hurt in Jeffrey Simmons, Derrick Henry, Ryan Stonehouse, and Josh Wiley all left the game and did not return. You had a defensive pick two after the, the Colts blocked that first punt and they go for two to try to make it a, I think make it a three point lead at that point or no, make it a seven point lead. They're trying to, I forget. I think it was to make it a three point lead at that point. Regardless, they go for two, the Titans pick it off and return it. 99 yards or however long it is to get those two points added on their side of the scoreboard. So you had a defensive pick two. You had a missed point after attempt with the backup holder, Ryan Tannehill holding the ball. And you could read his lips after that. He was saying that it was on him. He didn't probably get it to the spot where he needed it to be that just the chemistry there between Nick Folk and Ryan Tannehill, not great. So you had a missed PAT with Ryan Tannehill holding the ball. You had um, Will Levis and Deandre Hopkins, fighting on the sidelines, like go, not actually fighting, but, you know, going back and forth, John at each other. Uh, very, very spirited debate there for a minute. You had Levis recovering a defensive fumble and then fumbling it, or excuse me, then forcing the fumble and then getting it back himself. And then for a minute, we thought he returned it for a touchdown, but then they brought it back because he was that weird sequence, right? He, th he throws what we think is a pick, but then the referees rule it a fumble. Regardless, it's taken by the defense who then fumbles and Will Levis, who if you watch the replay, it's very funny. It's like if you ever played basketball with a guy pulls up from range, tries to hit a three and they sprint into the box because they immediately know it's nowhere near going in and they want to like be there to be a good defensive player and follow your rebound. He sprints and follows his rebound. The, the defender fumbles the ball going to the ground. Levis picks it up. Then he on a kind of a bum foot, we think runs the distance the rest of the way to get a touchdown. It's called that. Regardless, it was the first and 10 for the Titans. It was a interception fumble first down, I think. Uh, you got all that? Does that make sense? Whatever that was. And then you had a Colt tackling a Colt on a third down attempt where they were going to pick it up and it was going to be a really significant play at the end of the game. And it's third and one or third and two. And Will Fries, the Colts offensive lineman, tackles Zach Moss, essentially, short of the, the distance to gain. And they have to punt the ball to the Titans and it gives the Titans a chance to go in the game. Weird game, man. Strain. You got a little bit of everything. Did I miss anything? Is that all? Is that everything? I think I think that's pretty much it. Um, I'm trying to think if there was anything else that just like was crazy sure. in that game. But that's like every every other play was is insane. Yeah, but that was basically 
Um, it, I mean, outside of the circumstances, there were just weird things happening. DeAndre Hopkins with a couple of drops that are just so uncharacteristic. True. You have so many Titans players um, getting banged up and injured in this game, having to move around the pieces uh, on this on this team on both sides of the ball. It was just very. It was an odd game all around. Um, but like you said, it was a, a entertaining one for the most part. It was entertaining, and the Titans ended up losing. And so let's talk about why they lost. I, I am intrigued by this idea from Joseph Allen in the comments who says that at the end of the game on the broadcast, they showed the Titans sideline, and there were so many shots of players that looked like they had just hit their limit. It'll be very interesting to see how this team handles themselves next Monday night on the road against Miami, as we talked about last week, kind of pre-previewing that game. Could get ugly in that one, and coming off of a loss like this, where you know Miami, for their part, Tua was not playing at the end of the game, not because he was hurt or because he was playing bad, because they were murdering the commanders so badly that he got to take a little bit of extra time off. It, it's it's either it's one of those games I think this Titans game where either it's going to galvanize them and they'll come out swinging even harder against a Miami team, or it's one of those just street fight rock fight. Um, bloody and bruised divisional matchups between two teams and the Titans and the Colts who hate each other. And those, you know, those, both of those teams leave and don't put up a great performance the next week because they, they kind of beat each other to a pulp. That wouldn't shock me either. I think how the Titans respond to this week, speaking to us at the podium uh, in the locker room, what they look like at practice, like just the vibe will be really telling as to, you know what the leadership situation is because you have a number of leaders down and their status really up in the air. And you know Derek Henry, who usually talks each week, um, Jeffrey Simmons, who we talk to every time we get the chance to, it it, it could get weird fast. So we'll have to track all this this week. But um, it was it was a tough one for the Titans, and they lost for two reasons in particular, in my opinion. And it's in this order: they lost because of special teams. And they lost because of their secondary. And we're going to talk about both. And they weren't the only two units on the team that were an issue. But they were the reason that they lost this game for my money. They did what they needed to do to win as a team in large part. And that's what's mostly frustrating about this, I think, to most fans is because they were, in many elements of the game, the better team out there. I mean, I've, I've got the, the final stat sheet right here. Let's just look at some of the, the key metrics when you're doing a little bit of box score scouting, trying to figure out maybe who the better or more deserving team was. Um, we're trying to figure out maybe the team that lost shot themselves in the foot a little, uh, shot themselves in the foot a little bit. You dive into some of these numbers, right? And, we're, you know, we watch the game. We're not box score scouting this entirely, but these numbers are telling. If, if you look, for example, at let me get it pulled up here. If you look at the total first downs, right? The Titans uh, outdid the Colts 25 to 19. Third down efficiency. Titans were six for 17 to the Colts three for 14. So the Colts were 21.4%. The Titans 35.3%. Best of the Colts in that category. The best of the Colts in total net yards, right? 381 to 355. They In their first matchup in week five, that game was largely dictated by the trenches, right? We talked all about that when that happened. The Colts just bullied just punked the titans in the trenches on both sides of the ball the titans managed to flip the script in that in that regard this week in the running game they had 4.2 average yards per rush whereas the colts had just 2.4 zach moss very much bottled up the titans the two-headed monster of derrick henry and tajay spears really working well 
from start to finish today. It didn't even, didn't even take a long time for Derrick Henry to get rolling. By by the 13-minute mark into the game, he'd already surpassed the number of rushing yards he had in the Titans-Colts' first matchup this week. So things were starting out hot and heavy for them, and they did a good job in that regard. You look at uh, red zone efficiency. The Titans went two for three, 67%. The Colts held just one for five, 20%. Really fantastic, stout defense from the Titans in the red area. Time of possession. The Titans outdid the Colts significantly. 38 minutes and 26 seconds to the Colts, 29 minutes and three seconds. So outdoing the Colts by nearly nine minutes in that regard. These are all things that if you just looked at the box score, I didn't tell you the score, you'd say well, probably the Titans. Titans probably won, right? They won this game. No, they, they lost by three in overtime. And so why was that? Again, the special teams blunders, which we're going to dive into in a minute, and the, and the secondary, which we're going to dive into in a minute. You can also point to, as we've talked about in recent weeks about this Titans team being undisciplined, they were an undisciplined team today. Look at the penalties. The Colts, four penalties for 29 yards in this one. The Titans, the home team, the team that should be the more disciplined team just by nature of the situation, nature of the circumstances. Nine penalties for 74 yards, outdoing the Colts dramatically in that category. That's the kind of thing that loses you games. But the thing that lost them the game in this one, pretty much entirely, in my opinion, like 75, 85% of the blame here lies on the shoulders of the special teams unit for the Titans, lies squarely on the shoulders of one Craig Ackerman. Now, I'm not somebody that is often calling for people's jobs in any walk of life, but certainly not on this job, in, in this, on this show. And... Um, I, I really, you know, I'm grossed out by the idea of saying somebody should lose their, their livelihood. However, you, you have to like, there's a, there's an element of responsibility and culpability in this league and in this line of, of, of business in sports media. We've reached a point with Craig Ackerman and you could argue we reached this point literally years ago where it's, enough is enough. I'm not saying he shouldn't have a job. I'm saying he shouldn't have this one. Like, is that fair? I'm sorry. Like I, this, it's very clear that he should no longer be employed as the Titans special teams coordinator. Somebody else should be doing that. He should be doing another job. It, it, it's no good. It, it, it's constantly masked year. Like just when you think you've had a year from hell for the Titans special teams and like, this is finally the year that'll do them in, in the offseason. Mike Vrabel is going to find somebody new. They'll switch it out. They'll, they'll try something fresh. And then they go and they find a Ryan Stonehouse. And, oh, they, they went from MV punter to MV punter. Like, he's going to – the, the punting situation is going to buoy the special teams unit. And then this kicking situation is reaching, reaching a breaking point. Okay, well, we, we went out and we got Nick Folk. We traded a seventh rounder for Nick Folk. He's going to come in. He's going to buoy – you know, with the kicking, uh, both punting and kicking, that's going to buoy this special teams unit, and, and Craig Ackerman is going to keep his job. It, we're, we're once again at a point where th there's no answers, okay? Nick Folk's missing extra points and, and the punt unit is getting Ryan Stonehouse murdered. Who's that on? It's execution. There's, there's an execution element to it, but who's responsible for making these special teamers, these bottom of the, the, the roster guys know what to do in terms of executing. There's, there's two different types of poor execution to me, right? There's a guy clearly you can tell he knows what he's trying to do out there. And you can tell he's trying. He just can't do it. Like, I, I have a hard time attributing those things to a coach, right? Like when the Titans, you know, when, when Jack Gibbons just gets beat to the, to the corner by a guy that is more athletic than him, that is bigger and faster than him. Like, he's trying. You, you can tell he's been coached up to do the right thing. He's just getting beat. He's just not. He's an inferior player. That's not really on the coaches, right? That's, that's just in, you got to get better personnel. When a player doesn't know what they're doing. When when uh, a defender on the gunner on punt on, on on punt team is is motioning in to the edge of the of the line, 
And you can tell that he's trying to time up the snap and he's going to take off after the punter and try to get a block. And you've got Josh Wiley standing there uh, as the secondary defender. And, and and he's being pointed out, the defender, by the by the gunner. Like, hey, Josh, look, there's the guy. He's coming. And then Josh just ignores him, lets him run free and murder Ryan Stonehouse in the backfield. That's that's coaching, man. That's that's a guy not knowing what he's supposed to do. That's a team not ready to face the the personnel or the the scheme that the the defense is throwing at them. That's a team unprepared. That's on Craig Ackerman. That kind of thing can't stand. And you got your one of your genuinely one of your best players on the team in Ryan Stonehouse. You got him killed today. I saw him walk out of the locker room. That guy's not playing football anytime soon. Like, I'm, let me be the first to tell you, he's not playing again soon. He's got a full, he had a full leg brace on one leg on crutches, putting no weight on, on, on the leg that got torn up based on the video. One could speculate that he tore his knee up. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that, but like, it certainly looks like that's on the table as a possibility, not a doctor, but we'll know more this week. I'm guessing the point is I'm very confident in saying he's done for a while. The Titans are going to have to figure something out at punter. That's the kind of thing that can't stand, right? You've got a backup holder coming in can't get the hold down in Ryan Tannehill. And, you know, you miss an extra point, extra point that very easily could have won you the game, JT. I mean, you you look at the actual points where they came from in this game. It was genuinely just the special teams that cost the Titans this one. Because you go, you like tally them up. You do the math. The Colts scored eight of their points in this game off of special teams alone, directly as a result of special teams successes by them and blunders by the Titans. They lost by three, the Titans did. So that, like, do the math there. That's the deciding factor, okay? Because you got the Colts getting six points off of their first blocked punt, return for a touchdown. Titans got two of those points back on the, the pick two on the two-point conversion, right? So it plus four in the Colts' favor. Then you had the Colts blocking the second punt consecutively, which puts them in chip shot field goal range. They get a field goal easily there. That's another three. So now it's, now it's uh, seven points in the Colts' favor. And then you had the extra point that the Titans missed. They leave that point on the board. That's a point in the, in the Colts' favor. Like, that's that's eight points right there. That's an eight-point swing that the Titans should have been able to account for. All of, at least some of. And yet they put all those eight points out there and give them to the Colts. And that's the game. And that's Craig, that's Craig Ackerman, man. That's Craig Ackerman. I know it's going to be the most popular take of the week. And I'm I'm also here to tell you that nothing's going to change. I'll be surprised. Like, this is... Folks are like Easton only loves Vrabel. He only points out the good thing. Like he's he's the he's a Vrabel stand. He's a defender of Vrabel. He never point. First of all, if you say that about me, which folks do on the internet, you, like you're clearly not listening to our content. I criti- criticize Vrabel, Vrabel all the time. But this is this is a prime example of a thing that I have been and will continue to be critical of Vrabel for. This is a Vrabel's boy, Craig Ackerman. He's got to go, and Vrabel's not going to do anything about it. Because that's not his thing. He's not a he's not a fire coach midseason kind of guy. Maybe we get lucky and, and Ackerman's finally gone in the offseason. But for now, I'm telling you, he's sticking around. JT, I, what do folks have to say in the comments? What, what did you think about the, the special teams blunders in this one? Yeah, I mean, I'm just I'm right there with you. It, it's inexcusable most of the time. These these are routine plays that, like you said, if if Josh Wiley is on, like you said, on, on this on this unit and can't pick that up, that is something that is simply not getting through to him or is not being coached correctly right now. And and that's got to change because there are ramifications. It's not like this was a, a freak accident one-time thing that happened to Ryan Stonehouse. It literally happened uh, almost, it was a different formation a little bit, but the same exact thing happened 
the drive before. Like this was a two, this was a two drive um, uh, situation here where the the Colts clearly saw something that they could exploit there, and the yes. Titans do nothing to to adjust and, and try to change up how they how they defend that there. And and Ryan Stonehouse gets absolutely pummeled both times, and the second time uh, he's pummeled for the worse, and, and like you said, is done playing football for. Uh, a little bit now. So yeah, I, I, I don't know. It, it's tough. Uh, blocked kicks happen, right? You know, like, like we, you see a yes. blocked kick every once in a while. It's not one blocked punt is not a grounds for firing, but when it happens twice in one game and when it happens on back to back drives, like if that does not scream to you, a coaching problem, a scheme problem, an awareness and adjustments problem, right? Like that, there's nothing more clear than that. Nothing no, more clear. Yeah, it, there, there is nothing more clear. And uh, as Joseph Allen says here, he says a staple of a bad team, always finding new ways to lose each week. And that this is just one of those in the foot in um, particular. that yeah. that happens once again. Sunmaker says so frustrating that Stonehouse got hurt. Thankfully, it doesn't look like his kicking leg got hurt. So that is a plus there. That's good, but you need a plant leg to kick like that. You yep. need both your legs. To, there's no one legged kicking out there. So, yeah. Um, it, it, but and then Woodrin with a very, very strong opinion here that he says, look, isn't it fair to think variable is tanking? No adjustments, no effort uh, to to calibrate. calibrate. They seem to be doing everything to lose on a coaching level. So why not give them credit for the tank? I think the part here <laughs> for the me, spin zone, baby Woodrin <laughs> in the spin zone. Um, I, I think the biggest part here is, though, that it's not just a Craig Ackerman thing. And we can talk about this a little bit, but it, it is a lack of of adjustment uh, by two uh, different sections of this team. The offense, when it comes to second half adjustments, and the special teams, when they can't adjust because they got beat right. twice uh, on the on the. You want to throw the defense run. in there because they get beat deep and then they just don't change anything. They get beat deep again. Like I guess I could throw every, them in there because say the actually, whole team can't adjust yeah, right now. I mean, it, it is it is fair to say because on the last play of the game in overtime, the Colts essentially run the same play twice one time trying yes. to force it to Alec Pierce. And the second time they, they just adjust by letting Michael Pittman move back a little bit. <laughs> and then Michael Pittman scores. It was the same exact play. They drew it up yeah. the same exact way and that's how they lose. So yes, I think now that you say that it makes it, my mind's eye is now clear. This team fails to adjust on, on multiple levels, if not all levels. And we've been saying this about Ackerman for years, and we can move on from the special teams in a minute. And I do. We're gonna, the secondary is going to get their just desserts. Don't you worry. We're gonna we're gonna talk about them. But but I, I'm watching this game in the press box, and my mind keeps being forced back to Titans Colts in Nashville three years ago. Philip Rivers is the the Colts quarterback in that one. It was a brutal loss for the Titans. Another game that you absolutely walk away saying the Titans are the better team. The Titans are the team that should have won this game. And yet they lose in large part because of the special teams. Okay. Fans will remember that's the one where the Titans were without Brett Kern. So they had the, the FedEx driver punter in for that game. It was a one week and done guy in the NFL a guy they brought in who his first punt blocked the special teams unit could not, uh, could, could not protect him for that one. And then, the Colts almost blocked the second one in that one, but he shanks the punt exactly consecutive to the blocked punt, and it goes 19 total yards, and the Colts have the ball almost in the red zone already. So 
like the symmetry between that game and this game and the punting blunders that led to the Colts winning the game ultimately, it doesn't get more direct than that. It doesn't get more painful than that to see Groundhog's Day style. The same thing happened three years later against the same team in the same building for the same result. It's brutal. And that is one of countless examples over Craig Ackerman's tenure in Tennessee that you can point to and say, this is not a new problem. This has been a problem for a long, long time. Got to change something. He, he's been given every chance. If you, if in Vrabel's defense, often I'd say pretty much all the time with his quarterback or with his coaches, rather that he keeps in his boys that he defends. It's largely, and oftentimes he's right about this. Hey, it's not the coaching. Like it's the personnel. Like the, the, I'm doing the same thing with Tim Kelly all year long. I've been talking about how, Hey, Tim Kelly, he's not your problem, man. It's, it's, people out there it's the players right with Shane Bowen that was the defense of him when when he had a bad first year and Vrabel said we're keeping him on in the offseason we're getting new guys they went and got new guys the defense immediately improved like that kind of argument works that holds water in certain circumstances that does not hold water with Ackerman Ackerman's been given how many people talk about this all the time right and this is the number one thing for the Titans is oh we're bringing it we're bringing in this guy from Dallas right this kid it's a tight end he's gonna be nice depth for you but where he's really special where this guy's really, he is a special teams ace. This fella is going to be a weapon for Craig Ackerman and the boys. Like this guy is going to get after it in special teams. Special teams unit is going to be awesome. They're going to be solid. They're going to make big tackles, open field tackles. They're going to, they're going to force punt returners down at the point of contact. They're going to never allow any block to kick. Like, and then, and then we get to the season and then this stuff happens, right? Every year he's given these special teams aces in free agency and it doesn't mean anything we're no more Luke Giffords like we you can you can you can throw a hundred Luke Giffords at Craig Ackerman he's proven that it's not gonna matter it's not gonna matter he, he's not good at his job so I'm sorry but Craig you gotta go okay um let's talk about everything that happened in this game that wasn't special teams which uh also wild and uh kind of up and down for the Titans it, it was a this is a brutal loss for the Titans should win now crowd uh, it's a pretty great loss for the tank crowd Good loss to the tank crowd. Titans, I believe, right now are set to pick eighth if the Correct. draft happened yep. today. So they're still hovering right in that upper top ten range. Yep, they're right uh, between. They, they're right between the Jets and New Orleans at the eighth seed right mm, now. Mm, so. mm, tasty company, love that. Um, but yeah, so like, is this a glass half full or half empty situation? My dad, I rate naturally as a Titans fan, texting me during the game about this, this or that, or like good job, good play here. Can't believe Chick dropped that ball there. All of these things. And um, at one point he stops and he says, should we, what should we be rooting for here? Like, should we be rooting for a win or a loss? And I said, at the end of the day, it's, it's not really the end of the world either way. Um, you can, you can, there are, there is a glass half full on both sides of any Titans win or loss for the rest of the season. Cause it is a loss season for them in terms of playoff hopes. They now have eight losses, right? Which means the best they can do is nine and eight if they win out and they have to go play teams like Miami and Seattle and the Texans twice and the Jaguars again uh, for the rest of this year. So there's it's going to be a couple losses in there. I'm not just going to break the news to you now. They'll let you down softly. They're going to lose a couple of those games. They might win a couple of those games, but they're not going to win all of them. Um, and, and for that reason, the playoffs are no longer in the picture for them. That does not mean, however, that I am on the, this team, like I'm not a radical tanker at this point. I think that that is silly and foolish for fans of a team to be active. Like it's, it's a, it's a, it's a tricky situation because ultimately, yes, a better draft pick is better for your team. But what I think makes 
and it, it depends team to team what the situation is, right? If you're a team that I'm trying to think of an example, like, like um, uh, the Jets before they got Zach Wilson, right? And they're, they're uh, winless through nine or 10 or 11 games of the year. And every Jets fan in the world is, is begging, screaming for this, this team to lose. Or for example, this year, right? The, the Giants who are, I think, still at the number two pick. They're somewhere up in the top three picks, right? They would love to go and get themselves a better quarterback. Or the Bears who currently have the Panthers number one pick. They'd love to get themselves one of these quarterbacks, right? If you're in the market for a top of the draft quarterback, that changes the math on the tanking a little bit. Okay, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm about that. But if this Titans team has their future set at quarterback in Will Levis, which many of you believe they do, I would say they certainly should be operating as if that were the case as of this moment for the rest of the season. I think that's that's totally fair. We'll talk about Levis's game in a little bit. I don't think that actively rooting for tanking is the right idea because I think learning to, finding ways to, becoming comfortable with, winning ball games, establishing a winning culture and getting some winning reps in there for a, a you know a quarterback that's going to be your future playing around a pretty hefty number of young guys who, you know, there's some really bad guys on this team, but there are some young guys that are definitely cornerstone players of the future. You know, your Tajay Spears and your Josh Wiley and Chica Conquo and Traylon Burks and DeAndre Hopkins is still set for next year. Like these kind of guys that are going to be around, like get them like get the, get the chemistry rolling. Let's get this team figuring it out so that they can go into next season having already figured some things out or having already gotten some uh, gotten some some winning capital in their winner wallet, right? That That's an important thing and it's an intangible thing, but it's a really, really important thing that I don't think should be minimized. And for that reason, I think winning or losing the rest of the year is not that big a deal. Let the offseason chips fall as they may. It, it you know, they're going to have a high-ish pick. Like it would shock me if the Titans were picking outside of the top 16, okay? It, actually, in fact, they... Unless they make the playoffs, they what 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 does the last team out of the playoffs pick? How many teams are in the playoffs? Fourteen. Cur- well, currently, yeah. The currently the so, Buffalo so the, Bills so, are fifteenth, and they're six and six right now. So, right. So if, if um, I guess so, but, fourteen but the, teams get into the playoffs. It, it, well, so the eighteenth pick goes to the last team out. Right? Is eighteen? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. So yeah, they're they're definitely going to be picking inside the top eighteen, um, and I'd be shocked if they're picking north of 15 to be honest like they're gonna get a pretty good pick don't worry about it the odds are pretty high that they get a, the single digit pick which is good so let's cross that bridge when we get there um injuries across the board we can talk about those and what i've heard and seen from the locker room just to kind of get some reporting out of the way derrick henry uh, i asked him if he was all right in the locker room S- certainly seemed all right he gave me a, a quick yes and was preoccupied with something else but he seemed to be fine um i you know, I, I, concussion protocol for him. Maybe he misses next week, but I think he, he I, somebody responded to my tweet about Derrick Henry and said, maybe the last time we see Derrick Henry in Titans uniform, he's got, he's got a concussion. Relax. Like he's going to be back. He's going to be fine. Um, Jeffrey Simmons knee injury. Couldn't finish the game. We asked for able about it. He did not offer anything more on Simmons. I believe Jordan Schultz with uh bleacher report and Paul Kaharski of paulkaharski.com have both reported uh, as of this recording that Jeffrey Simmons's knee injury uh, is not a big deal. He's avoided anything major. They're going to do an MRI tomorrow to confirm um, that there's not any structural damage, but they believe that he's going to be fine and that his injury is not, as Paul Kaharski's source put it, not season ending. So that's very good news. Jeffrey Simmons is important for them. Ryan Stonehouse, I've already given the report on him. Uh, not great. Not a good situation for him. I, I would not be shocked if he is done for the year. Really, I would not. Um, and I would be sh- I would be shocked if he comes back anytime soon. I think that he may just hang it up for the year and rehab that leg, uh, but we will see. Josh Wiley, I'm not sure. He walked into the locker room with Derrick Henry. 
unless I missed it, JT, and you I mean you were watching the game, correct me if I'm wrong. Did, he didn't go down on the field, right? He came off kind of un unassuming and then walked into the locker room and then was ruled out. Yes, he he came. He was uh, he walked off under his own power and and was later uh, taken to the locker room and, and ruled out. However, uh, PK Paul Kaharski, uh, reported just a little bit ago that he also has a source that says Josh Wiley's knee injury is also not season ending. So that is good okay. news as well for Josh Wiley. That is good news. Okay. So that's the, those are the four major injuries in this game. And those were, uh, they played a significant part in this one. I want to talk about a couple of receivers. First of all, uh, the Titans only receiver really at this point, Deandre Hopkins. I mean, it's hilarious. They've, they've, we've, we've gotten to a point JT where he really is the only guy out there that's making meaningful contributions consistently at the receiver position you look at the box score here 12 targets five receptions on those 12 targets the Colts did a good job doing the obvious thing defensively and being like let's make sure that this guy doesn't beat us he still had a productive day 75 yards on those five receptions averaging 15 yards per reception and has that one touchdown there that should have been the game leading maybe game winning touchdown but then they missed the extra point the next couple guys on the list in terms of receiving contributors for the Titans, you got Ty J Spears. Who, like, I'm not trying to go back on what we said in the preseason. We fought this battle with people saying the Titans receiving room looks bad by saying receivers are more than just the guys with WR in front of their name, right? Like it's guys that can catch the ball. So yes, these non-technical receivers are receivers and that's, that's important, but there are actual wide receiver, wide out receivers on this team that should be contributing more. And they're not because Ty J Spears, the next closest guy, four receptions for 13 yards. Then you got a tight end and Chica Conquo, three receptions for 62 yards. Then you got NWI, the second best receiver on the day, one reception for 28 yards. Um, and then the only other receiver on this list, it goes, it goes NWI, then Derrick Henry running, running back tight end, Josh Wiley. And you got Chris Moore in there, one reception on one target for 12 yards and then tight end Trayvon Wesco. So you got, three total receivers on this list and uh, everyone not named DeAndre Hopkins had two total receptions for less or for right at 40 yards. That's, you know, that's not good. you got to, you need, you need, and, and, you know, I'm in fairness to Burks. He was clearly on a snap count. He did not play. I don't have the exact number. Um, I'm sure Tron, if you want to find the exact number, Tron Davenport puts out snap counts typically on Twitter. So go check out our buddy Tehran, but um, he did not play many snaps in this one. We asked Frabel about that after the game. He said, he's just coming back after missing three weeks. We, you know, we're easing him back in. That's natural. So the expectations for him are still to contribute more in the future. Um, man, Kyle Phillips. I don't know what the story is there. We're going to, we're going to get, yeah. And as Joseph said in the comments here, one gripe, I don't like seeing Kyle Phillips as a healthy scratch when Traylon played nine question mark snaps. He says he believes yeah, somewhere in there, Joseph uh, for a secondary that was depleted for the Colts. It sucks that the Titans didn't have 18 out there instead of 16. And he's referencing Colton Dowell. Of course, Dowell was active in large part because in, in somebody asked this question of Vrabel in the post game press conference. Why'd you keep Dowell on the active roster today instead of Phillips? And Vrabel's like, we didn't. Like that wasn't the binary choice. We didn't choose Dowell over Phillips. Dowell is making the active roster right now because he's been a very positive contributor for them on, funny enough, special teams. And that's a needed thing for them, clearly. Um, Phillips not being out there is interesting, though. And I we're going to have to dig into that this week. I don't know whether, like, there, there's something up. because Because today, when you've got nobody but Hopkins contributing, and you've got guys really struggling to contribute in that, short to intermediary uh, inter intermediate area of the field, that middle class, the passing game, we've talked about how the Titans have all year kind of hollowed that out. He's the kind of guy that can get open in short area quickness, get, get that space underneath it and, and get away 
find a way to get open quickly. Like that, that's the skill set he offers. Why they chose not to have that in this game, I don't know. Maybe he's banged up. Maybe like maybe it's personal. Like, I don't know. We're gonna have to figure out what exactly went into that decision. I wouldn't imagine that's gonna be the thing going forward, but that was certainly surprising when we saw that, JT. Yeah, I would agree. That was very surprising after I mean it, it could it be a performance thing? I mean, he he did have one reception for negative three yards in in the Carolina game. He wasn't used very effectively. I, I'm not sure if that was maybe part of the game plan, but still, it is a head scratcher. I think, um, as Joseph also points out, he says Kyle Phillips seems to be building a chemistry with Will, and I hated to see them sit him, especially in a big game. I, I agree that it's hard for me to to see if why it would be performance. Although I think there may be possible possibility of that but yeah it is a head scratcher for sure um the other receiver i want to talk about is michael pittman he i mean he you know talk about the uh, my original points here who lost these games it titan secondary very culpable in this one and michael pittman tore them up all day long pretty crazy stat line here for you from pittman uh, 11 receptions on 16 targets for 105 yards and a touchdown averaging just shy of 10 yards per catch. He was a problem all day long. And I mean, at one point, literally it was third down in Titans territory. The Colts have the ball. I think it was third and 10 or 11. And I tweeted out. I said, if I were the Titans, I would keep a couple of eyeballs on Michael Pittman on this one. And then what do you know? An in-breaking route where he's wide open in one-on-one coverage, 14 yards, first down. If I'm seeing it up there in the press box, you know, they're seeing it down there on the field. You know, they're seeing it down there on the sidelines. You got to make adjustments for that. And and this is where the, the adjustments execution debate, I lean much more towards execution because this Titan secondary is just flat, not good, man. They just don't have the horses. They don't have the guys. They don't have the dudes. Um, and, and that is showing each and every week. Good thing is the Titans don't have to face any good receivers next week. So that's very good news. They only have to see Tyree kill and Jalen Waddle. Um, and the fastest dream team ever known to man, Mike McDaniel's Miami Dolphins. Um, so that I'm sure that'll go well. We'll talk about all about that nightmare that is impending later this week. Um, but for this game, they couldn't contain Michael Pittman and Alec Pierce. I mean, Pierce, they, they allowed two 100 yard receivers today. The Titans secondary did. They allowed three 70 plus yard receivers today. Kylan, it was the Kylan Granson game for the Colts tight end room. Uh, but Alec Pierce, only three receptions. For 100 yards flat, averaging 33.3 yards per reception with a long of 55 and a touchdown for him. Kylan Granson, three receptions for 72 yards, averaging 24 yards per reception with a long of 46. They contain Josh Downs. like They did what we said they needed to do. Josh Downs and Zach Moss, got to contain these guys. Okay, well, Zach Moss, 19 carries, 51 yards, 2.7 yards per carry with a long of five yards. Contained, right? Josh Downs. Three receptions on five targets for 14 yards and a long of nine contained. You just forgot the Kylan Grants and Nog Pierce and Mike Pittman existed, I guess, because those guys tore you a new one. That was a big issue for the Titans all day long. It felt like whenever the Colts and Gardner Minshew wanted Michael Pittman, he was there free open. Like it, they probably could. They threw it to him 11 times today. They threw it at him 16 times today. It felt like they could have thrown it to him 30. Like it felt like he was just a free free space, a, a pass go collect 200 whenever the Colts needed it. And for the Titans part, Christian Fulton, who historically has done better against Michael Pittman than any other receiver in the league. Absent today, bad game from him. Sean Murphy bunting, a frustrating game for him in that regard. Roger McCreary didn't really like nobody in secondary really made any plays in this one. It was it was a big issue. 
Yeah, I, I would. To- I totally agree with you. Um, especially, I, I mean, I'm not here to throw even more on Sean Murphy Bunting for for a tough day, especially when when the last play. And that of the penultimate game really- play was that penalty was bogus. He said it. it Rabel said it. It was. It, yes. it, they waited 90 minutes into the ball game to call the first illegal touching downfield. It was two guys in press coverage, a couple feet from the from the like it was a bogus call it was, it was bogus but 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 still i mean he was on uh for for most part when michael pittman was on that side he was he was lined up against him and michael pittman won every single time i mean it was some soft zone coverage that michael pittman was just able to win and continue to get yards after the catch no matter what he did or when he wanted to do it gardner Minshew was able to throw it to him and he just had an off day which allowed michael pittman to absolutely just eat this team alive and like you said, it, we're going to talk about this all week. There, you're going up against a team that it, 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 it's. It, I I don't see how this this secondary can contain uh, either Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddle next week. Right. No, I think the Titans are capable of putting some points up on the Dolphins' defense. Um, I think the Dolphins are capable of putting all of the points up on the Titans' defense. I think all any points that exist in in the multiverse, they can put all of them on the Titans if they should if they so choose. Um, so yeah, we'll. I mean, I we'll talk about that later. Uh, but yeah, the last thing I want to talk about before we get to the news with JT and then we get out of here. Um, dead in the second half again. This Titans team comes out offensively flat. Their first three drives of the second half three and outs. I asked Will Levis about this after the game. He attributed it largely to himself and we should touch on Levis's game today. He, he was really, and this is a, the mark of a, a, a young man with head in the right place, a great leader, a good quarterback. In my opinion, he was very, very self-critical at the podium. Um, he, he said that he felt like this was his worst game as a Titan. After he said that last week in the loss or the, uh, in the win to Carolina, he said like, even though we won, I think this is probably one of my worst games. Um, he said that today was his worst. Now, I don't necessarily agree with that. I have to go back and watch the tape, I think. But in general, I don't think he had a particularly bad game. Not a lot was available to him. I think there were a couple of missed opportunities for sure. And he didn't hit on a ton of explosives. But in general, he was like boring in a good way. Does that make sense? Like He was effective. He hit the passes where he needed to be. He was relatively accurate. He was giving his guys a chance to go get the ball. He was navigating the pocket as best he could. Like, I felt like he had a fine day, um, but when asked about the second half and the, and the th- three, three and outs in a row, and, and he said, it's just execution. And I, he said, I've got to do better. I've I, that that's poor performance for me. It's bad football. And I, I'm going to have to learn from that. And he said, I'm going to be sick watching some of that tape this week. So I don't know. What did you think of his performance today? I mean, I can kind of, I, uh, I kind of see where he was coming from, especially on where he said, I missed a couple of reads that I should have had. There were a couple of times I, I know for one of them, there, there was one uh, on the, on the play where, where he threw it to uh, I believe Chris Moore in, in the end zone where it was called a touchdown, but then called back. Right. Um, he, he misses trail on Burks wide open right there. Um, instead of obviously he was wide open, could have been an easier pass than throwing up the jump ball to Chris Moore. He missed a couple to Tajay Spears. There were a couple times where where I saw on the field, I was like, the read is right there, just take it. And he waited a beat or two too long, and that's where he started scrambling and rushing around in that pocket once it collapsed. So I, I can definitely see where he was coming from from that. And um, I, I but, think but, I agree with you no, on the, on no the means, vision. Was I gonna, There's yeah. a difference between the vision and the accuracy and the execution. Yes. Right? Like, I agree with you that the vision wasn't great today, but I didn't feel like he was super inaccurate. 
or making bad decisions necessarily. No, I I, I think, yeah, he missed a couple of decisions, but by no means did I think he had a bad day. Um, Kyle does have something to say about Levis where he says, I love to, he loves to see that Levis was holding dudes accountable, especially uh, a guy accountable, like uh, hall future hall of famer, Deandre Hopkins getting into it with him. Um, And he says, Tannehill never showed emotion like that. Eh, At least in his opinion. That last part's not really true, but yeah, I I get what you're saying. It is good to see him holding guys accountable and being a leader in that way. Just to address the comments uh, a little bit more here, Joseph kind of off topic here, but a fair question. Joseph asks, what are the odds Caleb Farley ever contributes to this ball? club in reference to the secondary obviously uh he said that he wishes him the best personally as we all do i uh they're not high that folks ask me all the time these days like when is caleb coming back he, he's got the biggest fattest tbd on him right now it's it is to be determined man this guy like he's there it's not like he's not at practice it's like he's not like he's not working he is and we check in with him from time to time and personally he's doing all right from what we understand but um yeah, I don't. I, he's still working through stuff physically. I don't know if he's ever going to contribute ever. Certainly, I don't know about this year, but I'm not sure if it's ever going to be a thing. And um, if it is, I don't. I don't know if it's going to be any good because we've not seen a whole lot of good from him when he is on the field. So I don't know. I would. Long story short, just operate until until further notice. I would I would operate as if that's not a thing that's going to ever happen. Um, okay. That's that's enough uh, for today. We've got, we've got plenty more to talk about regarding the Titans on Tuesday's episode. But one last thing to get to today. We've got the news with producer JT. JT, what do we have in the news today? Let's talk about some some good things that came out of today's Titans game. Uh, two players who reached another step on the milestones of, of their careers and another great uh, example of why they should be hall of famers. We'll start with Derrick Henry today, which mm. um, he had another rushing touchdown today, which put him at exactly 86 rushing touchdowns. And the only running backs to do that in their first eight NFL seasons is now Derrick Henry and mm. two other guys named Adrian Peterson and Eric Dickerson. Mm. And so guess what? current hall of famer, yeah. a future hall of famer, and Derrick mm-hmm. Henry. Yes. Interesting. Correct. Um, and it's notable to say that Derrick Henry's season isn't done. He could have more touchdowns than that through his first eight NFL seasons. So yep. much more to come possibly for him. And then let's talk about DeAndre Hopkins, who only needed a few catches and yards to join a couple or move up the milestones. Did he need just bit. one? Wasn't he one he away? Two, coming into this he needed game? two receptions for three yards today. Oh, okay. Gotcha. And gotcha. he indeed got those two receptions for three yards. And he now joins Larry Fitzgerald, Jerry Rice. Marvin Harrison and Brandon Marshall as the only wide receivers to have 12,000 yards and 900 receptions and 75 touchdowns in their first 11 seasons. You know, what's funny about that list is I, I, we read those names and my, my number one thought is man, folks sleeping on Brandon Marshall. Dude was a baller. Right. He was on some I, bad team. I mean, he's actually on yeah. pretty much only bad teams, Yes, but boy, could Brandon Marshall play ball? Um, Cause yep. you got Deandre Hopkins, a clear future hall of famer. Fitzgerald future. Jerry, current Marvin Harrison, current, and then Brandon Marshall. Who? Yeah, I'm just saying. I mean, the stats, the stats, the stats, the numbers are there. The numbers, the numbers are there. Are there. Yeah, 100. Um, but let's move on to the AFC South roundup here. When we only have one game to get to, as the Jaguars face off against the very decimated Bungles tomorrow night on Monday Night Football. Not looking forward to that one. Um, but the the Houston Texans they get another win. 
uh, as they defeat the Denver Broncos 22 to 17. Uh, coming down to the last second where Derek or where the Broncos and Russell Wilson had uh, an opportunity to take the lead in that game, but Russell Wilson throws a interception into the uh, end zone in that one. So the Texans the get away was with good. the win. The guy was there. Yes. It was just a late and soft throw. <laughs> a, yes, a better but, quarterback makes that and it's a game over. But yeah. CJ Stroud, once again, looks good. 16 of 27 for 274 yards and a touchdown. Unfortunately, Tank Dell, who was having a star it's star sucks, season, yeah. goes yes. down with injury with uh, uh, is now going to be put on IR. Can so you tell the people like, why he got injured, how he got injured? Because this yeah, is crazy. He got injured on a play where... Uh, obviously, we had concerns about Tank Dell Why coming into this season because he is a smaller guy, small below, little boy, uh, Tank Dell, little baby foot, boy, um, uh, and and undersized. I believe he is under six foot and under two hundred pounds. Um, and they were using uh, try, him as try try five try five eleven one sixty five. Like this mm, dude, that's small. well below two hundred. Yeah, I, I I could be, um, I'll double check that, but keep going. Sorry, but. He was used as a lead blocker on the goal line for 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 a Damian Pierce rushing touchdown, uh, and you know it, it, when you put it like that, I I think that there's a high possibility that your wide receiver who is less than 200 pounds and less than six foot. Uh, getting pushed into that pile is going. Oh, sorry, I was to... wrong. I said he was five eleven, one sixty five. He's five ten, one sixty five. Pardon me. Mm. Yeah, big, big uh, but fella. but ultimately it sucks for him. He's going to miss some time. Uh, possibility possibility of coming back for the playoffs if, if Houston is still in that race, and it looks like they could still be in that race because uh, they got another wide receiver who absolutely cooked today in Nico Collins, who caught twelve balls on twelve or caught nine balls on twelve receptions for hundred and ninety one yards and a touchdown. It's going to be interesting when he goes up against this Titan secondary in two weeks, but uh, it looks like CJ Stroud is in good hands going forward here. Yeah, man. Uh, you, you say the Texans may still be in that race. I, I know that they are because I don't know what the rest of their schedule looks like, but I do know they have two, two, uh, two lines on that schedule that read at Titans and versus Titans. So uh, they're, they're in it, man. The whole, I mean, <laughs> basically the entire AFC South not named the Titans. This is what the AFC South leaderboard looks like right now. You got the eight and four or no eight and three Jaguars pending tomorrow's Monday night football game. Then the seven and five Colts and the seven and five Texans. And then the lowly four and eight Tennessee Titans there at the bottom. Looking forward to the draft. Um, anything else in the news? Uh, nothing else in the news, but let's talk about our best bet gauntlet roundup uh, for yes. today. Let's see how we did. Personally, my, another for day, my record, I am another currently... victory for the OGs and the yes. best bet gauntlet. We just um, we, we can't miss, man. We cannot, as I go three and one currently on the day. The only one I miss, uh, I lost on, is of course the Tennessee game, which is very frustrating. Had Should to sweat that no. one out. Should be four and zero. Had to sweat that one out till the very end. I'm a little frustrated about that one, but now I'm pending Green Bay plus six, as they are currently leading the Kansas City Chiefs seven nothing in the first quarter with four hey. minutes left to go in that first quarter there. Um, and then you, Easton, went three and two on the day. Uh, I, I, as you lose the New York Jets one, which was a just a gross game in general. Uh, that one, I, the other one that I lost, we'll talk about in a second. I, I was wrong about that. It was the it was a bad read, bad read, bad game. This one I'm mad about because the Jets outgained the Falcons by a lot, and they were in scoring position quite often, and they couldn't get it in. They they should have won that game, but yes, neither here nor there. And, and then three and twos. As, if you yes. gave me a three and two each and every week for the rest of my life, I would take it in a heartbeat. That's sixty percent. We take three and twos. We take sixty percent. 
We do. And, and this one, however, you would like to have back as you texted me when the Miami Dolphins went up 45 15 on, on, on. I think the I commander. texted you at about like 12 27. Oh, you might like, have. Yes. This might and be the wrong this side. Might be I the immediately wrong side knew. It was one of those bets where you, you watch it and you're like, this commanders. bet's dead. It's our, it, the bet, the game is 14 nothing and the bet is already dead. I can tell. I can feel it. Uh, but yeah, that's fine. We get San Fran. We get Detroit. We get Carolina. All three of those cash. We get three and two. We move. So let's say the show currently at six and three pending Green Bay. So either going to be six and four and be a nice, clean 60% on the week as a show or seven and three, which is uh, a percentage that's more than 60% that I can't do on the top of my head. So very good for us on the show. Another winning week, another uh, another uh, week where we improve our overall winning percentage as we are just shy of 60% all time. So that's fantastic. Is that it for the news today, JT? Yeah, that's going to do it for today. All right. That is our news and that is our show. Appreciate everybody tuning in with us live today. If you're with us, thanks so much for being a part of the conversation. We'll have much more in-depth Titans uh, recap to do on Tuesday afternoon live as we record our Wednesday morning show. So make sure to tune in to that one as well as Thursday evening. We are live 5.30 p.m. Central Standard Time at Boomba's in Spring Hill. Come hang out with us. going to be a good time previewing what should be uh, an interesting conversation uh, the Titans yes. and the Dolphins on Monday Night Football next week. And then um, stay for, now, to be for fair, Thursday to be fair, football. we think we think their Monday Night Football game is next week. However, they do have the option out of flex Monday Night games. So not out of the normal possibility that this is a Sunday game. We will see. Um, but yeah. So and then, yeah, staying to watch Thursday Night Football, which which, by the I way, now uh, who that is. Well, now without with Kenny Pickett, uh being reported that he's going to be done for some time. It's now going to be Bailey Zappi versus Mitch Trubisky next week. Oh, so come God. out to make this game a drinking game, I guess, or figure out some I, way I to, to say this. come for the drinking game. Cause that's what it's going to be. Yep. It's what it has, it has to be. It's what it has to be. Cause uh, I don't know brutal. how else to enjoy that game. There, there is no other way to enjoy that game. Just pain and suffering, just pain and suffering. Um, okay. That is our show. Appreciate producer JT being here. Appreciate you guys all being here. Make sure you're subscribed to our show at Broadway Sports Media's YouTube page. That's Broadway Sports Media on YouTube. Hit subscribe for us. And make sure you're following on social medias at Hot Read Pod on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram. Until Tuesday, I'm your host, Houston Freeze. For producer JT, this has been the Hot Read Podcast. Have a great rest of your Sunday. We'll talk to you later.